This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Episode 13 from the Braves booth alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick, Ben Ingram here with you. And we are coming to you from Truist Park in Atlanta. Good to be home, huh, Joe? Absolutely wonderful to sleep in our own beds and uh, be at our own ballpark in our own booth and knowing that we're going to get fed here. (laughs) I mean, it's been 50-50 on the road so far as to whether or not uh, teams have their dining rooms, their press dining rooms open. So uh, it's nice knowing we can come to the park and eat. That is a really good point. See, they they did us right in L.A. They had their media dining open. Awesome. Really good. Denver, not so much. Had to walk down and find a hot dog a couple times. Denver, not so much. Baltimore, not so much. Miami was great. Yeah. Miami was terrific. Washington was okay. I mean, you had the opportunity to at least uh, make place an order. Right. But uh, everybody's kind of hit and miss, and the ones that are hitting are really high on our <laughs> list right now. Yeah, clearly food is really, really important to all of us. No doubt about it. It's Well, the point of it is if if we know the press room's not open, then we got to figure out what to take to eat. Yeah. So we got to hunt and peck around the hotel or uh, go to the grocery store, find something to take with us to eat um, since the press rooms aren't open. Well, you know what they say, you know, th- those people who are extra tough, you better bring a lunch pail. That's us, bringing a lunch pail. Maybe that's a good idea. I'm going yeah. to get a Roy Rogers lunch pail. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Um, yeah, this is episode 13, and as we do this show today, there are 25 games left in the season. There are eight, game left, uh, eight games left on this current homestand. Braves won last night over the Nationals, gave up a lead late, and then retook the lead late, won that ball game. And uh, I don't think you anticipated giving up a lead like that, Joe, but at the same time, I think you expected to win that ball game. And I feel like you look at the rest of this homestand and say, you need to do what you did last night the rest of these games because I think you need to get out of here taking at least seven, maybe eight on this homestand. Well, go back to Sunday uh, in Colorado and the fact that the Braves broke out the bats a little bit Uh uh, gave the pitchers some breathing room. And while Max Fried didn't have his best stuff last night, um, he was holding his own. You know, he wasn't giving up a lot. And then all of a sudden he came out of the game and the Nationals caught up. So the bats went back to work again. So they scored seven, eight. What did they score last night? Eight. Eight runs. Uh, do it again. That's what they got to keep doing is uh, scoring runs. And I'll tell you who's been leading the ways, man, Ozzie. Yeah. I mean, Ozzie Albies. We're at this point of the season where you start to talk about MVP candidates. And I don't expect Ozzie to win the MVP. But the Braves have three or four guys that think are in the discussion. And Ozzie, since coming back from the knee injury, he's wasted no time. He's homered in four straight ball games. The infield has done something historically great with all of them reaching 25 or more home runs. They could all reach 30. That's never happened in the history of the game. I think Ozzie needs three more over the course of the next 25 games. I think Dansby's sitting on 26. Uh, Freddie's knocking on the door. Austin's knocking on the door. I mean, some really impressive things, but... It's like it just kind of gets passed around. And these last four or five days, it's been Ozzy's turn, and he hasn't disappointed. Let's talk about Ozzy. You know, we talk about the other guys a lot, sometimes too much. Uh, and maybe we don't talk about Ozzy enough. That's why in the Brian Snitker report, many times I'll bring up Ozzy just to hear Brian really expound on, on what he means to this ball club and how impressed Brian is with him uh, in, in, in this regard that maybe we aren't impressed enough. You know, he's 5'8". He weighs 165 pounds. Uh, He is built like that proverbial brick house. Yeah. He is really strong, and he works at staying strong. He takes his lumps on the infield. You know, he might get knocked down by a sliding runner or something like that, but he's always there to play. So when you knew, when he got hit in the knee with that foul ball, you knew he was really hurting to have to be 
carried off the field. That's that's not Ozzy at all. But back to his ability, he is really a good player. Mm-hmm. He is a solid major league player, an elite major league player, uh, and and pound for pound. I mean, I'm not trying to say for his size. I'm saying he is a terrific player. Great power, hits for average, both sides of the plate, and plays great defense, yeah. and a great base runner. Pound for pound, about the toughest guy out there. No doubt. And strong as he can be. And look, there are bigger guys that get more attention, but he's as strong as anybody that I've seen. Plays the game so hard. Loves playing the game. And you can see, you can watch him one time and see that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's infectious. And there's so many times where he'll make a big play or he'll just do something routine. But you can tell he does it with the exact same passion night in, night out. And I love watching that. I just love seeing the flair that he plays the game with. How much fun it is just to watch him every night. He takes nothing for granted. He comes out early virtually every day. He's either working on those fundamental drills with Ron Washington or he's taking ground balls all by himself with just Ron hitting ground balls to him and having another coach take throws at first. Uh, He puts in the effort. He does not take anything for granted. He's thrilled to be in the big leagues, and he wants to stay here a long time, and I frankly hope he is. And when he drew all the criticism, uh, in particular from the Players Association, for the deal he signed with the Braves, um, they thought the Players Association was harsh, saying that it wasn't enough. You know, he sold out too cheap. Right. And um, I went into Ozzy. I got a day or two after that, and I said, you know what? None of this is anybody's business but yours. You know, if this is what you were happy with, then it's no one's concern and, and certainly not their uh, right to judge you in terms of how you, how you conduct your own business. And he said, nobody knows where I come from. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw me just a few short years ago on the beach with my bicycle and towel, and that's all I had. Nobody understands or knows that, and... Uh, they don't. It's nobody's business. You're right. And I go back to that injury that he had in the minor leagues with the elbow. Yeah, that was probably something that was on his mind. That if this happens again, yeah, I, I could be done. Yeah, he said that to me too. He said I got two pins in my elbow. Nobody talks about that. Uh-huh. So, uh, what he does on the field, day in and day out, hates to take a day off. Um, uh, I just, I'm proud of him. I'm thrilled for him. I've been to Curacao. I've seen the island. I know. Um, how fortunate it is for any of those players to get off the island to come play in the big leagues, uh, come play professionally, let alone the big leagues. So he's an impressive young man, and everybody in the clubhouse loves him. I want to have you expand on something that you just mentioned, talking about putting the work in. And he's not the only one. There are lots of guys down there putting the work in, taking ground balls hours before the game and taking extra cuts in the cage and things like that. I feel like anybody could do that April, May, maybe June. How hard is it to still do that in September with the same tenacity that you've been doing for the last four or five months? It's rare. It's rare that you see somebody who's able to maintain that uh, and keep doing it. You know, uh, a tip of the cap to the strength and conditioning guys. We didn't have those. We Mm -hmm. didn't have people who were constantly uh, working us out, pushing us. Uh, So there is certainly an advantage to having that kind of work ethic behind you you know, pushing you to stay in shape, stay sharp, you know, even though you're tired uh, to go lift weights once a week or twice a week, whatever they do. I don't know what their program is, but just to try to stay strong and stay, try to stay in good baseball shape. And I applaud that. Yeah, these guys know what it takes to win the division. They've done that three years in a row. They're hoping for their fourth. And let's transition to that because there are 25 games left in the season. Braves gained a game over the Phillies last night who lost 10 nothing. So it's a two and a half game lead. I say that with a little bit of an asterisk because you've got one game coming up down the road that you'll finish where you're, where you're down a run with two and a half innings left. Not to say that they couldn't come back and win that game. They certainly could. Uh, but when it comes to the Braves and the Phillies, and you can throw the Mets in there as well, but especially the Braves and the Phillies, schedule aside, you're just looking at the rosters. I think most people would favor the Braves and their chances to win this division. However, the schedule is a real thing. And the Phillies finish their series with the Brewers tonight. They have an off day tomorrow. And then what they have the rest of the way looks significantly easier yeah. than what the Braves have. So, uh, and I, I come, I, I keep thinking uh, everything we've said for the last two or three weeks is going to come down to a couple of ball games. It's going to be really tight. Well, back to your first point. Um, in our travels, getting to see uh, opponents, broadcasters for a change, um, there have been a couple of conversations, and I won't reveal which ones they were, 
with some of the opposing broadcasters who say, your lineup is head and shoulders better than the Phillies. It's better than the Mets. You know, there might be some A pitcher here or there, Zach Wheeler. Uh, it, there might be someone that's that stands out for the Phillies or the Mets and DeGrom at the time before he was hurt. But from a lineup standpoint and base running, hitting, um, defense, all those those attributes, everybody that we talked to, that I've talked to, says there's no doubt in their mind that the Braves are a better team. Yeah, and that means to me, and I agree with you, that even in the face of a tougher schedule the rest of the way, I think the Braves get it done. And look, I, I, we're obviously biased with sure. the team. But sure, but this that's, that's what this, we're going to the bank right now. Mm. And I said that to you in Colorado. The Braves have got to bank these games coming up. They've got to put them in the bank because they're going to need them. Right. And that road trip out west again and maybe even the last week against the Mets and Phillies you gotta go to the bank this week yeah you do and and I know anytime somebody says west coast road trip it sounds daunting let me just break that down a little bit and like you mentioned you got to take care of first things first and that's this homestand so have two games with the Nationals you should beat them you've dominated them this year likewise the Marlins and the Rockies the Rockies aren't the same team on the road as they are at home so you, you're right you got to put these in the bank but this team has played pretty well on the road. I know that last homestand or that last road trip wasn't the the best. You went two and five, and you had three games in L.A., and that's to me the, the hottest team in baseball right now. Um, but you got a Giants team that you took two out of three from at home. You got a Diamondback team that has been one of the worst teams in the National League. You got four with them, and then a Padre team that not to take anything away from them, they're not the same team they were in May, June, and July. They are not. And if you could find a way to break even at the very worst on that road trip, so long as you do exactly what you said and put games in the bank on this homestand, that sets you up about as good as you can expect to be set up for that last homestand. And I'm trying to take a realistic viewpoint of all this. Um, because it's easy to say, oh, I favor the Braves to beat every team out there and, and play extremely well. But I feel like when you, if you can do at least that, you set yourself up to be in a really good position where you can win it on your home field for that last homestand. And at the end of the day, that's about all you can ask for. Yeah, it is. It is. And, um, you know, I, let's be less biased. Let's say uh, the Braves in this nine-game stand go five and four. That ain't good enough. Right. That is not good enough. That what that does is swing the pendulum of pressure on you to go west and win. You know you can't split a series. You can't uh, lose two out of three to the Giants. You need to win two out of three. Uh, it just changes the whole complexion of what you're doing out west uh, if you if you don't play well at home. Now can they? Yes. You mentioned the Marlins. First of all, you said the Nationals, and yes, the Braves have handled the Nationals. And they don't come to the table with great pitching in this series. And the one guy that may be able to pull up a gem is Eric Fetty, but, but they've seen him three or four right. times all year already this year. The Marlins come to town. Uh, you know for sure we're going to get Alcantara. Yeah, because he goes tonight versus New York. Oh, does he? Yeah. Well, well, then that that's a lock. We'll probably see probably him. Probably in that last game. Yes. So you know you're going to see Alcantara. You might see Lopez. And who is it, Rogers? Yeah. Yeah, all three of those guys are really capable of, of throwing a gem for Miami. And they love to beat the Braves. They're, they're tough. So uh, I look at the Marlins a little differently than most people because I know they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. They can pitch. Yeah. They, they really can. Yeah. So it, it's exciting stuff, man. I know there's a time in the season where maybe it didn't look like we'd be down at the final 25 games and the team would be in this position. I think there were stretches of, of June and, and certainly July where you thought, maybe this just isn't happening this year. But things have changed. And uh, to be in this position with 25 games left in first place, a two-and-a-half game lead, had you told us back in June and early July that this would be the situation you'd have, you'd have taken it all day because well, you knew something significant changed. Yeah, it did change right at the All-Star break. And uh, I said, let's talk about Ozzy. Well, let's talk about Alex Anthopoulos for a few minutes. Uh-huh. And where this team was, uh, especially after Acuna got hurt early July, right? First week of July. Right. And all of a sudden, with all due respect, we've got outfielders that one's an infielder, the other two guys are released or... Uh, journeyman outfielders, we got. We don't have a big league outfield. Mm-hmm. And we've got a big league infield, but we talked about this 
over and over again that if the Braves didn't score with their first five guys in the order somehow, it was over. You had to wait till the next time those guys yep. came around. So there, there wasn't a hole. There was, there was a gaping hole in the void, bottom, really void in the bottom of the order. So when Alex Anthopoulos went out and first got Jock Peterson, okay, that gave us a legitimate major league outfielder and a guy that we knew had some pop, could maybe hit some balls in the chop house, and that would uh, that would help. Then all of a sudden, here comes Duvall, here comes Solaire, gets a guy for the bullpen in Rodriguez. Darno, that was like making a trade, getting him back. And all of a sudden, now one through eight, it's hard for Brian Snitker, as he said the other day, it's hard to get these outfielders enough playing time right to rotate them in and out because they're that good so a tip of the cap to alex for doing what he did he didn't give up hardly anything out of the system uh the biggest i guess trade was probably bryce wilson right uh in terms of high prospects um but alex did a great job in my opinion of getting this team on track by acquiring good players, major league players. Played the hand he was dealt. Some people would say, okay, but you're in a a bad division and that's why you're able to hang in this thing. Okay, so what? That's not the Braves' concern. Uh, The the Braves were fortunate enough to be in a division where their first four months didn't completely kill them altogether, and it could have had they been another division. Yeah. But they weren't, and it would have been so easy, Joe, to say, you know what, let's take a realistic view of this. No Soroka, you lose Acuna, so many other injuries, Darno out for most of the season, just not out of year. Let's try again in 2022. Right. right. But you're able to, to play the landscape that you're in, and that's an East that isn't as strong as some other divisions, and you're still hanging around. And, and you push the right buttons to get yourself there. And I'm right there with you because the moves that were made totally changed the season. And, and what, what allowed Alex to do what you're talking about were the guys like Freddie, Dansby, Ozzy, Riley, and the pitching core, the starters especially, to allow the Braves to hang around. Yeah. They did they did all the heavy lifting to keep the team just below five hundred. And yeah. that was a chore. That was hard to do. But by doing that, it gave him the opportunity to go out and get some players and flip this team around and, and it's been a real nice uh, flip for everybody, us, the fans, everybody. Now then, he's also signed Charlie Morton to an extension. Mm-hmm. Great move. And I was listening to Max Fried talk last night after the game about what Charlie means to this team and how important he is in the clubhouse, uh, aside from the fact that he's won 14 games already. He signed Darno to a two-year contract extension. Mm-hmm. Alex did. Good move. Not sure when Contreras or Langoliers might be ready. This is insurance for next year that we got a big league catcher who knows how to play and can hit uh, for the next two years. So what's next? Um, maybe tying up Darno. I mean uh, Duvall, getting him locked in for next year. I'm, I'm not aware of Adam's contract status, but uh, Alex still has some work to do. And let's go to Freddie. Yeah. That's got to happen. You mm-hmm. know, we all are confident, but it hasn't happened yet. You know, we've been playing five months, almost six months, and it hasn't happened yet. So when is it going to happen? So that's got to happen uh, for, for everybody for this organization. Yeah, it does. I think we all expected that in the off season. Yeah. That didn't happen. And we thought, okay, by the time you get to opening day, it would have taken place. And it hasn't yet. For Duvall, he has a mutual option for 22. Okay. So that I'm pretty confident that they'll make that happen. They know how big he's been first for the Marlins when he was there, now for the Braves after that trade. What he did last year here in Atlanta. And and I'm with you. You're kind of going down the checklist. And once you get to uh, where, where you are right now, I see those two guys. I want to see Duvall and obviously want to see Freddie. And there's some questions on our uh, from our email about both of those guys. And, and we can jump right into that right now. But one of them is about the Charlie Morton extension. And I think we both feel very excited about that. Oh, that's a hundred. That's a no brainer. That was so great. And what what I worried about was whether or not Charlie wanted to come back. Yeah. Not, not whether or not he wanted to come back to the Braves if he wanted to pitch anymore. Uh, it was uh, somewhat questionable if he was going to pitch this year. Right. And uh, we were very fortunate that he decided he did want to. And I think he's had such a good time and he's had such success that, hey, I'll, go, I'll do another year. Um, with, res- with respect to Freddie, though, um, 
and it being five months, we, we don't hear anything about whether or not they're talking. That's kind of Alex's way. You hear about it later. We didn't know anything about him talking to Charlie Morton. Right. We didn't know about Darno. It just comes out. It happens. It's announced. So I'm kind of hoping there's something, you know, behind the scenes going on where they can uh, make sure this is taken care of going forward and everybody's happy. Make this month even more fun. Yeah, boy. You finish this thing off and then lock up Freddie. Yeah. Make for a great September. I know that much. So, yeah, 25 games left in the season, and that uh, gets going tonight against the Nationals. Game two of that three-game series this evening. And by the time you're listening to this, maybe the game's been played. So, hopefully the Braves won as they look to take care of business on this homestand. Oh, we did. We did? Okay, yeah, we, great. we won. That, that, that's, that was always funny to me when we'd have a listener from, like, Japan or Korea, mm-hmm. and Don would say, well, tell us who won this ball game. It's already tomorrow over <laughs> <Yeah>. there. Right. <laughs> Just huh. Let us know who won the ball game. Huh. We can uh, get into your emails now. Let me, let me get uh, out the email address. It's bravesbooth at gmail.com. And any questions you have, feel free to fire away. And if we don't get to them this week, maybe we will next week. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Baseball-related, non-baseball-related, completely random. We do not care. We're here for the entertainment and have it to have a laugh with you guys. And you guys come through every single week and bring some really good questions. I know Jay Chad will be joining us here in just a little while. Uh, Brian asked about the Charlie Morton extension. We, we addressed that. And um, now it's on to the next thing when it comes to Duvall and, and Freeman. And like we said, hopefully that takes place before you know it. Uh, let's see here. Two quick questions. This is from Baron. How did Joe feel about Jock Peterson's walk-up music being played at Coors Field when Sam Hilliard came to bat? Which, uh, it's neither of our favorite songs. That's very observant of you, Baron. It is. And he said, what are your favorite restaurants to eat in while in Denver? Uh, my reaction to Sam Hilliard having that, that walk-up music was good. This will put a big damper on their rally. Right. <laughs> this will calm everybody down. Makes everybody take a nap. Yeah, it does. Uh, with respect to the restaurants in Denver, uh, Elway's right there in the hotel is pretty darn good. Can't argue with that. But what's the name of that uh, breakfast place that we all like? Syrup. Snooze. Snooze. Yeah. Snooze is a great breakfast place. Yeah, they have some really good breakfast spots in Denver. I went to one uh, to one called the Delectable Egg, mm-hmm. and I waited 30 minutes to get in there, and it was worth it. It was really good. There was another place, another uh, restaurant that was a converted bank the broker the broker Which i, was I gonna think it's closed i was gonna say the vault but the broker i think this right that place i, yeah. I think i think they closed down it's, but we went several years ago yeah, it's too bad uh, i thought i was about to explode after i left that <laughs> place to roll me out of there yeah i think we ate back there in the uh, safe deposit <laughs> that's boxes right. Yeah. that's right we got in so late from los angeles into denver uh last wednesday night uh or i should say thursday morning kind of threw me for a loop so uh this trip to denver i was a big room service guy oh and you are i'm jonathan oh oh, yeah right that's right welcome jonathan thank you joe glad to see you again and glad (laughs) you're on the podcast i'm I'm happy to see you guys too yeah i thought i recognized your voice yeah yeah it's good to see you you didn't shave today did you i did not good for you i like it jonathan if you had a boat not if you had a hammer if you had a boat what would you name it I'm going to need some time on that one, but I feel like if you had a boat, I know what the name should be. What? Big Shooter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ship-faced is always a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. That's from Barry. I like that question. I think that was actually the name of Leo's boat. Didn't he name his boat ship He did. That's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Very appropriate. <laughs> All right, from Karen, your next road trip takes you to San Francisco, Phoenix, and San Diego. What's the best part of all these ballparks? Jonathan, go. San Francisco, the view. Phoenix, the roof. San Diego, the weather. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I haven't worked San Francisco. I've been there as a fan twice, and this will be the last National League ballpark for me to work in, so I'm really excited about that. So I'll say probably more than anything, I'll, and the views I know is going to be good. Seeing John Miller, I love John Miller. He's a baseball encyclopedia, and I love when he gets to come in our booth. And he he came in, Joe, two years ago, 
and started giving you every detail of the 19-inning game at Fenway Park that you had the, the triple in, was it not? That's correct. And he remembered, what year was that? Oh, boy, 82, maybe. And he came in and was just firing off details like it happened two nights ago. That's right. And I, I love that about John. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Uh, Phoenix, I'm right there with JC, the roof. Yeah. Because it's a million degrees outside. And then San Diego, the weather is amazing. The hotel is so close to the ballpark. That's all convenient. And I like the view in San Diego. You can see right down that street. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got that big area in the back uh, behind the outfield wall where they have the Tony Gwynn statue and folks can picnic out there. That's a fun place. Really good stop. Uh, San Francisco, we all agree on the view. It's just spectacular. Um, and the weather. It's very pleasant. You even have to take a jacket no matter what time of year it is. Uh, Phoenix, the roof is certainly important. Um, it ha- you got to have it there or you couldn't. Pl- well, we did play baseball in the Coast League there for years at 110 or 111 at 7 o'clock at night. But, but the roof is very important. And it's a nice ballpark. I like that park. Ball jumps usually have some home runs hit. And I like uh, San Diego because it's in San Diego. Yeah. What's, well, there's nothing wrong about San Diego. Or San Diego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love the fish tacos when we go there. I have those every day. This question's from Cam. He wants to know if you guys think that one just got away from Will Smith last night. And, of course, he's referring to Will Smith hitting Juan Soto in the top of the ninth inning. It wouldn't shock me if that was on purpose. And I'm not saying that it was, but it wouldn't shock me. There's a history of those two. I don't know. Anything's possible. I think it was purely accidental. I don't think there was any intent whatsoever. <laughs> and it just just ironic that it happened to be Soto. And I say to him, hang with him. Yeah. Pretty good fastball. But it hurt. Yeah, it hurt him pretty good. And, and, and they, I didn't see this after the game, but JC pointed it out. They were staring each other down, were they not? Juan Soto was walking back to the Nationals dugout on the third base side uh, after the third out of uh, the game was made, uh, and he and Will had a nice little look at each other, yes. I say again, hang with him. (laughs) Yeah, part of the game. That was a a good question, though, Cam. This question is for Joe, also from Joe. Do you think coming over to radio has re-energized you? Of course it has. And uh, you keep doing, maybe you keep doing this a little while longer. I sure hope so. Well, that's nice. Uh, thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think it has. Uh, it's just more fun over here. We have a good time. We enjoy each other. We're able to... Um, it's like I used to say about TBS. We had a great time with Skip and Pete and Don, but we really knew when to bear down. And that's when we were at our best, was when the game was on the line and we knew when to cut off uh, any of the nonsense or the fun and bear down on what's going on with the game. And we do that on radio too, but it doesn't keep us from talking about other things um, like restaurants or whatever is coming up on a town we're about to go to and about just enjoying each other and, and, and actually laughing on the air. They're not allowed to do that next door. They can't do that. They've been told time and again, knock off the levity, you know, don't have fun, stick to the game. Go back to the game. Be boring. So to say I'm energized, you know I am. I, I'm thrilled to be over here. I love it. And uh, do I think I'll, it'll extend my broadcasting life? I hope so. We that have three, three of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's unanimous. <laughs> what do you got, JC? Uh, this question's for all of us. Of all the stadiums you guys go to, what stadium has the best press box food? That's easy for me. Me too. Probably unanimous, I'm guessing. I don't, see, I could see this going a couple different ways. I'm going Yankee Stadium. Oh, no, I was going to say one, two, three, and then everybody. Philly. I would say Philly. Philly. See, Philly was on everybody's mind, but the one time that I've worked Yankee Stadium, I felt like I was at a wedding reception. Yeah. It's, they had more food than I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no argument. No, we just don't get to go there enough and appreciate it. But yeah. every single day, it is consistent in Philly, and it is great. It is good stuff. A lot of options. Yeah, tons of options. Nice people, nice serving people. And they have Joe's self-serve ice cream. Yeah, it's great. No, not in Philly. It's it's out of the, They scoop it out of the tub. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Self-serve is somewhere else. Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah. Jay Chad, this one's for you. Uh, care to give us a quote-unquote gear rundown of what you guys are working with? Any horror stories of road trips, away games where the unexpected happened? That's happened. That's from Lindsay. Well, I'm not going to 
spend too much time boring people with what what kind of gear I use, but uh, I guess a quick rundown. I have two setups. I have one for the broadcast booth in Atlanta and a separate set of equipment that I use on the road. When we are at home, the mixing console I use is a Digico S21. When we're on the road, I have a Behringer X-Air. Um, it's just an 18-channel mixer, and then I use two BrickLinks, one to broadcast, and there's a second one that I use for uh, talk back to the guys back in studio in Atlanta. As far as any horror stories or nightmare scenarios that have happened while we've been on the road, I don't know that I've really had any nightmare scenarios. There have, yeah, knock on wood, there have been instances where, you know, that's why I get to the ballpark so early on the first day because I have to unpack everything, make sure everything's still in one piece. Um, tends, our, our things tend to shift at times during transit. And, uh, you know, I have to make sure it all works. You know, there's certainly been times where I've had to spend time putting things back together, piecing things back together. Uh, we broadcast with basically just uh, wired internet. You know, you, you have to make sure that that works. That can be spotty at times. Uh, but, you know, again, that's why you show up early to make sure all that stuff is in place and it works the proper way and you just cross your fingers. But um, I'm you, typically on eggshells every day. <laughs> you know, if I had a Digico S21 at home, I'd just spend all day just pushing those volume things up and down, you know, those control tabs. Yeah. That's what you do during the night, isn't it? Yeah. Just yeah. just play with some levers. Yeah, that's why. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you better be careful. That's why, so, that's why sometimes when uh, Ben or I are talking, there's never a consistent yeah, playing when I, with levers. Yeah. When I just <laughs> You're messing with the volume. Yeah, when I just decide to mute you. Yes. <laughs> Which happens okay. all the time. Uh, let's see. I, I like this question. This is about something we were discussing earlier about the resume game in San Diego. It says, for the continuation of the Padres game, how does it work with players that were not on the team at that time? I assume they aren't eligible, correct? What about any guys that were playing in the game for either team that are no longer on the roster? Guys like Almonte, Sandoval, etc. I assume the Padres have this going on also. That's from Brad. That's a great question because we were discussing this just yesterday, Joe. If the Braves don't come back and win that game, then the losing pitcher will go to a player who's no longer here. It's Bryce Wilson. He'd be sitting in Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden his record would change overnight mm-hmm. without even performing the night before. Yeah, and, and that could happen. Yeah, he'd get a call in the middle of the night going, oh, tough loss. Tough, <laughs> tough loss last night. What would have been really good is if at the trade deadline, if one of the guys for Padres or Braves had gone to the other team. Uh-huh. And had, had come through with a big base hit yeah, right. and could have. I, I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know the um, rules on, you know, is Jorge Soler eligible to play? Is Adam Duvall eligible to play? I don't know the answer to that. And I'll ask Brian Snitker today on his show uh, how that works. And maybe the, the fans can listen to, to Brian's uh, pregame interview and, and find out. My assumption would be that since they were never in the game, that they could play in the game. That's my common sense thought too. Yeah, and if you you if you were in the game, and you're no longer anymore, even if you're here, or you're not. You're you're done. Um, it, it's really funny to think about because there are so many. I think this is going to be pretty tame, but there are so many scenarios that we could just run away with and think of, of how weird it would be if this had that had happened or that had happened. Kind of like if a pitcher for the Padres had, were traded and were now with the Braves uh, or something like that. Or, or Bryce Wilson, obviously, there's a chance he could take a loss in the ballgame. Or a player that's no longer with, a, with the Braves could take a win or something like that. It, there's all sorts of different simulations that, that you and I have talked about that have been crazy if this had taken place or that had taken place. But I think this is going to be pretty straight up. And uh, it is fun to think about the different scenarios that could go crazy in a situation like that. The one that always cracked me up, uh, I thought was great, was, remember Joel Youngblood? Oh, yeah. Outfielder. I think he, he was with the Reds at the time, and he played a day game, played the whole game. At Wrigley Field. And got traded. Uh-huh. Went to another city, got there that night, let's say, on the West Coast, and played for another team. I think Montreal was playing maybe San Francisco. He had hits. Yeah. For two different teams in one day. In the same day, yeah. yeah. That happened. 
Pretty cool. I like this question. This is uh, from Mike in Bismarck, North Dakota, and it's a two-part question. It's kind of long, so bear with me. He said, I was watching an old Braves TBS broadcast from 1994 recently and to hold, to hold me over on an off day. They were selling a promotional Atlanta Braves cookbook at the time, and Joe raved about his backdoor chili recipe that was included in that book. Joe, do you still have the recipe, and where can we get it? Then the second question is, how do you guys manage to keep your emotions in check during a broadcast? especially when something less than ideal occurs, such as a blown lead or error leading to multiple runs. You always sound so professional during those times, but are you really bullying inside? If so, any advice on how to adapt that control uh, in the event my children are in the room? Uh, first of all, backdoor chili. Huh? Backdoor chili. <laughs> you know, that cookbook is probably at home somewhere uh, in Kathy's uh, array of cookbooks. I'm sure it is. I don't remember it, and I'm sorry I don't. Um, it must have been really good, though, for me to rave about it. So maybe somewhere along the way before, between now and the end of the season, I'll find it and relay it to you. Do you think you could maybe make a pot for us? And bring it in? Yeah. No. What an appetizing name. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not happening, Jay Chad. Okay. Yeah, I might bring in a salad, some <laughs> didn't, crackers. Didn't hurt to ask. Yeah, okay. Uh, emotions keeping him checked during the game with a blown lead or an error. Well, we already talked about Jonathan and his control panel. We just have him shut down all the mics so we can just <laughs> bounce off the walls, scream and holler, and then we come back and go, oh, that was a tough play. <laughs> It'd be very it, – it'd come in, in handy if we had our own punching bag in the back of the booth. Yeah. You go waylay that thing. Yeah. You know, when you – it's funny watching as a fan compared to – calling a game because if, if I'm a fan I'm right there with Mike and, and you get aggravated I think you're just in a different mindset when you're calling a game right and you feel disappointed you feel anger but you know it I wouldn't say it all stays in but you're definitely controlling that and, and I think there are plenty of times where if the team does not win, you hear disappointment in our voices. Oh, see, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah. You, you can hear that, but you know, there, there's a line drawn. I can't go drop a bunch of, bunch of F-bombs and, and throw something no. through the wall. No, no, but just like um, uh, I'll give you a recent example. And it was very unfortunate in Colorado. Tukey was pitching really well. Braves turned two double plays behind him in the first two innings. They got a chance for a real quick double play in the third inning, a bunt back to him, and he made a bad throw. And that opened the door. They scored a bunch of runs. That was his last inning to pitch. You know, so from my job, even though you're on the play-by-play, -play, Ben, I've got to do my best to describe that in such a way that, that he did himself in. Right. And without going overboard on it and without – I mean, nobody felt better, worse about it than Tukey. But it was obvious what happened and what happened to the rest of his day because of it. Mm -hmm. So we've got to temper what we see and feel and try our best to measure that in our disappointment to the fans. And I, I would just add to that and say, we're on radio. You can't see us. Yeah. So, you know, there may be some times where we get kind of mad and you, you just would never know it. Yeah. Well, you know, remember Chipper used to give that. You know, I love you sign yeah, right. when you come in. We do that when guys have a have a good game or they hit a homer. <laughs> we're giving them hand signals. We give them hand signals in other ways, too. <laughs> yeah, hand, signals, hand signals are very big in the radio booth. Mm -hmm. uh, this is for me. It says, what brand of pins do you use? I'm a big fan of the Micron Pigma when scoring <laughs> from home, but love hearing what the pros use. That is from Ben. Ben, this is a Pilot G207, and I've tried the... G210 and the G205, one's too thick, one's too thin. The 07 is just right. So the Pilot G207 is well, what I go with. He's, Jonathan, tell tell this uh, person, tell Ben how many pens Ben uses. Uh, probably it's eight. Set, is it eight? It's eight. Counting has, the black one. Yeah, his, uh, his scorebook looks like a rainbow. Yeah, it's pretty colorful. Yeah. And what do you use? The, what are the strikeouts? What color are they? So they're highlighted uh, yellow. 
Okay. Walks are highlighted orange. Homers are highlighted green and double plays highlighted blue. So I can flip back and see, oh, the Braves hit two home runs that day and they ground it into three double plays. And then he uses a different color ink pen for every pitcher. Right. So the starters always, it's the same order every night. Starters, black. First relief pitcher's green. Second relief pitcher's blue. Next relief pitcher's purple. Next one is red. Next one is aqua. Next one's Aqua. pink. You get you get six, seven For, pitchers into the game, you run out of colors. Gah. Well, it only makes so many colors. I can't do that because I'm colorblind. You know, whatever, <laughs> it all looked the same to me. Right. And I don't even use a pen. I use a pencil. And lately, they've, they've come from Blick Studio Supply, you know, uh-huh. those guys. And it's a, a 4B. And I stopped, stopped by there today and got new pencils and some new erasers. What is funny, though, is how... Um, how we stick with the exact same brand. We, we use the same pencil every time. Mm-hmm. JC and I use the same pen every time. Yours is a, what is a pilot? No, it's a Uniball Signo. And if you've listened to this podcast at all, you would know that. Yeah, from the from the pen heist down at spring training. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to go buy a whole new pack of them? Uh, I have bought a new pack this season, but I mean, I use these things until they just don't write. Yeah, anymore. we're very loyal to what we use every single day. You don't get a, a random writing utensil. Uh, let in me here. give you a little history lesson. Pete Van Weeren, uh, maybe we've talked about this before. He used a Bic blue pen, medium, you know, just a standard. Right. You can see the ink through the clear wrapper. I mean, yeah, outside of it. I've seen Pete. Use one of those big pens till you couldn't see the ink above the little tip. I mean, that's how long he would use a pen and go to the next one. Just drain it. Just drain the thing. And he would only get the, the most upset I ever saw Pete in the booth. And this happened about three times a year is when Bobby Cox would change the lineup and Pete had already written it in there. <laughs> And oh, geez, oh, gee, oh, oh. You know, and he's got all this ink scribbled everywhere. He didn't use white out, yeah. so he was trying to fix it and correct it. And Pete wrote smaller than anyone I've ever seen. And it was really one of those cases where it was like in the war they couldn't have broken it down. They couldn't have figured out what it was. Right. Uh, code. A code, yeah. And sometimes even he would have to lift up his glasses <laughs> to look down and see what he wrote. So I think of Pete when you talk about pens and his big pen and how much how important they were. I'm very particular. The last thing I pack when we're going on a road trip to take downstairs to put on the truck to go to the airport is my writing utensils. A highlighter, a Sharpie, a dry erase marker, a black pen, and a blue pen. Very important stuff. Yeah. We know our routines. We know what we got to have. Yeah. Why Why black and a blue? I use the blue in my scorebook. I use the black to keep notes for things like contests, like what the jackpot's going to be the next night for the George Lottery Homer and jackpot inning or the Toyota stolen base channel, uh, stolen base challenge inning. Um, so, yeah. I mean, and obviously if the blue and happen to go out black will be my backup but it stresses me out to the max when <laughs> i have a scorecard and there's blue and black ink on it i that just reminded me i think next year you know for the sales guys uh, we've already got two good contests toyota sponsored stolen base georgia lottery sponsored uh, home run jackpot mm-hmm. how about a double stuff oreo rally inning oh that'd be great anytime the brave score three or more runs in that inning, uh, I get a new pack of Oreos. That's a great deal because you share. That's a great deal for all of us. <laughs> I think we're on to something there. Okay. Yeah, we, need to, we need to call the front office, see if they can figure that one out for us. Ben, did you go to the Ole Miss game? I did indeed. Okay. It was fun. Um, Monday night, yeah, had a good seats and beat Louisville. Good. What would be your playoff rotation right now, Ben? Charlie Morton, one. Max Freed, two. Um, that's pretty easy right out of the shoot, those two. Um, I could go a few different ways on three through. It's it's a good question yeah, right now. really is. I'd like to see Waskar really get his act together here in the last three weeks. The Waskar we saw in May and June, yeah. I'd take him. It's a no-doubter. I mean, put him in yeah. there. I, I'd like to say that Ian could get hot enough to – to do because I remember last year when we went to the postseason, I think we had as much confidence in Ian as anybody. Ian had blinders on and he was healthy. Yeah. 
So you, you got some decisions that you could make, and I think a lot of that might – I think – I'll say this. No matter who you play, who you're matched up with, I think you're Morton 1, Freed 2. But 3 and 4, you're going to be leaning towards who has the more favorable matchup against that other team's lineup. I think you're right. And, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. See who they get and see who the hotter pitcher is. I think that's what they'll do. Whoever's going the best – uh, that's, that's, that guy probably has the inside track on that number three. For right now, as Brian said, Snicker last night, uh, Tukey will pitch tonight, and for now, Drew Smiley would be in the bullpen right. and would be available tonight. In other words, like for wrong, long relief, and let's hope he doesn't have to be used for that. But for now. But Drew Smiley's not out of the picture on that either. Yeah. For starter. A lot could change in 25 games. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's enough time for somebody to get hot and you say, okay, let's go with this guy. Uh, let's see. This is an easy one. What's your favorite college football team? Kennedy's for Joe down there. Kennesaw State. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they got a big game this they weekend. They do. They're, they're at Tech this weekend. It's going to put them on the map if they pull off the big upset. Who's the favorite in that game? I don't know. Ooh, might be the Owls. Yeah. I'm only half kidding. Yeah, I, I know. Kennesaw's had some good teams over the last few seasons. So um, Now, obviously the Sooners. How about you, Ben? Rebels. Yeah. I pay attention to Georgia. Yeah. Um, you didn't I, say you rooted for them. I do root for them. Oh, you just said you paid attention. You know, it's like when when college football starts, I know this sounds crazy, but I'm so wrapped up in what we're doing here mm-hmm. that it's not really on the radar at the very beginning for sure. me. Well, especially this time of year for a contender with a baseball team. I think college football to me, I mean, once we get past the season, it's fun to go do and pay attention to and get involved with. But for me, more than anything, it's my sport where I can go be a fan. Yeah. I can go show up, sit in the seats, yell, boo, all that stuff. Drink a beer. Exactly. Yeah. And enjoy being in the stands. Have you ever, speaking of that, have you ever dunked your hot dog in in a beer? No. Have you? No I, no, I just saw somebody do that somewhere last weekend. I saw highlights from the Georgia-Clemson game, and there were some college students. Uh, I think the big title sponsor of the game was like Duke's Mayo, uh-huh. and there were college kids um, eating jars of mayonnaise in the stands. Putting it on nothing, just right just out of the jar? Just eating it straight out of the jar, Yikes. like a dog. Oh, it's probably somebody, probably part of the Texas game. I'm guessing. It made me want to vomit. Maybe Oklahoma State. Yikes. Yeah, that's bad. That that would figure. Uh, I have two questions that are kind of random. This is from Hunter. Something I've always wondered is, do Major League broadcasters and radio announcers only get paid during the season, or is pay dependent on how many games you work? Also, out of all the walk-off hits you've had the privilege of calling in your careers, which one is your favorite? That's from Hunter. I think that first question, it, it varies. Everybody's different. Some guys have a game rate. Some guys are salaried employees that get paid year round. Some guys are, uh, you know, you might work a handful of games here and there, and it's it's all over the place there. Walk off homers or walk off hits. I, I got to be honest. My favorite this year is one that you called. That Max Freed walk off <laughs> against the Marlins was one of my favorite days of the entire season. That was a fun one. That was exciting, especially when I'd said he ought to take. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really good call. What? It's like last night. You said you can't rely on the three-run homer. Boom, three-run homer, <laughs> yeah. which which was awesome. One that sticks out for me uh, that Ben called that you see on the video board all the time. They still play from a few years ago. Was uh, did Freddie just turn out the lights? Yeah, he did was, when yeah. he that hit that crazy. one into the chop house. My nuts. my favorite. Uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with a call. Um, one that comes to mind even after all these years is uh, the one Freddie hit that I think put us in the playoffs, that clinched our playoff spot at Tru- at Turner Field. Remember when he jumped in the air and kind of did a yeah. did the splits up in the air, threw his helmet off? Uh-huh. I want to say that that was the clincher. I can't be certain about that, but it was really exciting, and I don't know that I've ever seen Freddie that fired up. Yeah, it's true, because even when he hit the biggest home run in the world and just head down, circle the bases, and... Everybody else goes crazy. Chipper's walk off of Papelbon. I think it was yeah. Chipper's last homer when he sailed his helmet out of the way, too. Yeah. It was like you knew he was into it. That thing good. still hasn't landed. No. That was hammered. Yeah. That was hammered. I think we got time for a couple more. 
With the limited number of September call-ups, who do you all think is the Braves' hottest prospect that we'll see next year? And why is it the Louisiana brand hot sauce? That's from Wilson. That spot works, doesn't it? Louisiana brand hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Anytime we talk about prospects, Louisiana brand hot sauce is the first thing on everybody's mind. Uh, next year, I don't know. I, I think Langoliers is probably the guy we have our, our eyes on more than anyone. I know that Christian Pache is still currently rated as the number one prospect, and that's great, but I, I, Langoliers is the one that I'm excited about. I, um, I of course, want to see Christian Pache live up to his uh, prospect notoriety. I saw him play an excellent center field in the postseason last year when the Braves needed him to, and I want to see him really take a step forward like you, Ben. But the other guy that I'm still waiting on is Drew Waters. Yeah. Come on. We want you to be here, Drew. We want to see you here. Uh, And you need to start putting up the numbers that warrant you being called up where you earn that spot. And I'm not saying he's having a bad year at Gwinnett. He's putting up some pretty decent power numbers, but it's been, as I'm told, very inconsistent, very hot and cold. So uh, get on a good line even if it's a 270 lines, you know, stay there, hang on to that, and keep adding on. So I want to see Drew Waters here soon. Yeah, that's a good call. Hopefully bust onto the scene in 2022. I'll answer this one right quick. So we're running out of time to the Braves. Uh, resign slash have control of Duvall next season. Could Solaire be DH? Duvall, as we mentioned, has a, a mutual option between himself and the team for next year. Jorge Solaire. Uh, is a free agent at the end of this year. So they'd have to re-sign him. And if you do have a DH next year, that could definitely be uh, part of the play for him. So we are out of time for this week. And we thank you, as always, for tuning in, for emailing, for contacting us, for listening to our podcast. And uh, we appreciate it. And hopefully uh, we're talking about a playoff team here over the next few weeks. As we said, the Braves are two and a half games up with 25 games left to be played. And if you want to go ahead and shoot us an email for next week's show, feel free, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, you better hurry up because he's about to hit those levers again. He's about to play with the levers. Yep. Yep. For Jonathan, for Joe, I'm Ben. You've been inside the Braves booth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.